Hello, Acaville Radio, and welcome to another episode of Tacapella, a podcast for the acapella community where we examine the culture as well as the ins and outs of vocal music, along with the people who are working to shape it. I'm your host, Alicia Edwards, and this episode is going to be a true treat. But before we get into it, I do want to share a little tidbit from a former guest that we've had on this show. I am obviously insanely biased because I am one of many proud proud alumni from this group, but BYU Noteworthy has dropped not one, but two music videos in the past few weeks, and they are nothing short of amazing. The most recent one, which I believe was dropped within the last week, is River Deep Mountain High, which let's be real, you can't go wrong with that. But the one that totally, totally blew me away, more so than anything else I have ever seen from Noteworthy was their music video most recently of Salute, originally performed by Little Mix. Holy freaking cow. I loved the video and also featured in it are the 19-time national champion dance squad from BYU, the Cougarettes. I literally had the video on repeat the day it came out and I don't think I'm ever going to get sick of it. It just it just had me so, so freaking happy. I ended up sending a text message immediately to the former director as well as one of the members and said, it is literally the best thing I have ever seen come out of the group. Go check it out. BYU Noteworthy on YouTube. Anyway, today's guest is someone who I have also performed with. And honestly, I don't think I've ever met anyone who takes their role in acapella more seriously than this guy. He has previously described himself as just a music dude who has talents in saxophone, composition, production, and beatboxing when he tries to be cool. I'm a pretty picky person when it comes to acapella, but to be totally honest, he may quite possibly be the best vocal percussionist I've ever had the opportunity to perform with. Joining us today is my friend, Kenneth Coble. Kenneth, how the heck are you? It's been a while. Leah, it has been a while. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing okay. Hopefully staying <sighs> sane since, you know, the pandemic that we hoped would end a year ago is still going. Oh yeah, we're we're on our like 112th week of our two-week pandemic. Maybe like the 112th year of our two-week pandemic. I don't know. Um, I like a time, yeah, time no, is different on the inside. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I have to share with our guests the story of when I first met you. So Kenneth was auditioning for Inversion, which is an acapella group in Salt Lake City that I helped co-found. And I got there for the audition and it was, it was at a library, at a public library. And there was this guy outside in the cold in his hoodie and he had headphones on and he was just outside beatboxing, prepping for the audition. And I knew right then and there, I mean, I knew, I knew that he knew what he was doing and that he was serious about it. And I remember our very first, like our, our first few rehearsals after you joined the group, Kenneth, you pulled out a metronome when we were going, when we were going through <laughs> new numbers and you like listened to the tempo and then you figured out like what you were going to do with the vocal percussion. And I was just, and, and maybe, maybe it's just that I've, I have never seen that side of things with vocal percussion, but I was like, I don't, is that normal or I don't know. I mean, there are some people with like absurdly good time that like if you tell them to like tap off 120 beats per minute that they Oof. can just do it like that but I, I don't have those skills so, and so i think it's very important to like be able to, to have your tempo grounded mm -hmm. basically well i just oh, like ahead. the metronomicness of beatboxing is like the the important part mm -hmm. like this is this is like a cornerstone part of basically like all dance music is that oh totally that, unchanging steady beat huh? is is the most important thing 
absolutely correct. And with your beatboxing, so I mean, I gotta say, I was blown away because you made sounds that I have never heard come out of a human before. You incorporated way more than just your typical drum sounds, which was amazing. Like I remember No Roots, I was the soloist and I had to stop singing because whatever it was you did in the second, I wanna say quarter, or second verse, you were doing something with your breathing in addition to beatboxing. And I was just like, where are these sounds coming from? I know how good of a vocal percussionist you are, but can you tell our listeners about your musical background and how you got started with beatboxing? All right. So I've played saxophone for like most of my life. I started very young, like kindergartenish age. And so like I studied that for a long time and I went to school for music where I was still studying at that. And that's where I met one of the best beatboxers in like the USA with literal proof by the beatbox battles that he participated in and he <laughs> top aided in. And wow. uh, yeah, he was crazy. Now who is like, this? Oh goodness, so good. That would be, that was Chris Solis. You can find him. Like, that's like a known name in the New York beatbox scene. Okay, okay. I mean, I'm uh, I'm not from New York, so I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I know (laughs) that name, but I will have to check him out. And listeners, you should as well. Yeah. And so, like, he kind of inspired me to, like, get into it. Because I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, I bet if I get really good, I could beat him in a beatbox battle. (laughs) So competition was your inspiration, huh? Yeah, yeah. Which was, like, totally a little misguided at the time just because of the gap the fact that it was me just starting and he was like already a national level beatboxer i was just like no i got it though i can be real good at this oh goodness that was me that that was me being like a young star at like 18 okay okay so out of high school yeah well at, at college at college okay okay so can you tell me a little bit about your journey with beatboxing how you have have gotten better what you've done to like practice and just kind of hone that skill so like the cool thing about beatboxing is that you can do it like wherever you are and so how i started out was just by like walking between classes and beatboxing although at the very start i like would look around me to make sure that like no one was paying attention or that there weren't (laughs) a lot of people around eventually People did see me. Some of my peers in the saxophone studio saw me. And that's when one of them came up to me. I was like, yo, I have an acapella group. You should beatbox with us. And I was like, oh, I didn't think I was there yet. Surprises all around. And yeah. And so that, that was like the introduction. That's awesome. So you mentioned something to me before we got started today. And it's not even something that I thought about chatting with you about, but you mentioned the culture of beatboxing. I don't even know the history of beatboxing, how it got started. Can you educate me on that? Yeah, I, I can give, <laughs> I can give you a little bit. There, there are people that get way deeper into it, okay. but basically humans have been making like percussive sounds using their voice for a long time. The modern beatboxing though, got start, got started last century because of like the electronic beatbox where there were these tools that people were using to make hip-hop music. They were using synthesized drum sounds. The problem with that is that that's not a tool that everybody can afford or had access Mm -hmm. to. And so out of that, you started getting the people that could imitate the sounds using using vocal percussion instead. And that's and that's why it's beatbox, where they, they call themselves beatboxers because they're emulating like literal beatboxes, the literal machines that created beats. And so like that's where it comes from. And so beatboxing is heavily tied into like black and hip hop culture. And so like I think people know that, but I always think it's important to like name where things come from, mm-hmm. basically. Awesome. Thank you. And 
I mean, as far as, I mean, we talked about where beatboxing came from or how it got started. How would you say you have noticed it has evolved over the last several years? So beatboxing always follows the trends of like actually produced music. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, it was just the kicks, the hi-hats and the snares, because that's all you really needed for the hip hop beats. You know, the fat boys might try to make (laughs) the little clapping sound or like the toms and that was in there. But over time, you'd get more and more complex beats as the music that beatboxing was drawing from became more complex, such that in the early millennium, or not early millennium, but kind of in that 2008-ish at the beginnings of dubstep, that became really popular was that people started Mm -hmm. emulating electronic dance music instead of specifically hip-hop. And that's where a lot of the really interesting sound design and beatbox sounds started developing. That's where things like the throat basses and the really Uh low lip oscillations came from. Awesome. Awesome. uh, Thank you. And in my opinion, a good beatboxer can throw down a beat and make stuff entertaining, but great beatboxers change things up and their execution is just I mean, in my opinion, at another level. And in my book, Kenneth, from my experience with you, you are one of the greats. You've done freestyle, you've done acapella, you've even done vocal percussion with a cellist. How have you decided what kind of beats you're going to lay down to any particular type of music? So an important thing in like music composition in general, because that's like something that I study, is using the limitations of your instrument. If you had a band that could do anything, it actually would end up sounding a lot less interesting than if you had just like a cellist and a beatboxer. That's going to end up sounding way more specific than having all the colors of a musical palette available to you. And so when I'm developing a beat, I kind of look at what I'm capable of and what the beat is doing and how close I can get to that within the limitations of my beatboxing. Okay. You got to tell me. So... We, you did. So I, I mentioned no roots earlier. That thing that you did in verse two, you did like, I don't know if you threw a bass down, but you breathed in and then out and then in really quickly. Where did you come up with yeah. that? Okay, so that it was, is, it was so that is based off of t- so that is what is called an inward drag, or probably uh, to, to anybody that like super follows beatbox sounds, it was a variation on the inward drag, and that was an idea that was popularized by the UK beatboxer Reaps One, and I really okay. like it because there's an efficiency to it. Beatboxing is often about like jailbreaking the body and to get specific ideas across. So like in terms of speed, it's really hard to do like one sound over and over again repeated right mm-hmm. and so the inward drag is actually two sounds it's the inward and the outward breath it allows you to get this uh, really fast re- repeated effect you know so like what was that that was uh that was no roots and so uh-huh. i think i just did a forearm with like 16th notes over that with the drag which was oh so cool i love it i love it thank you i, I like just hearing that takes me back i'm gonna fangirl a little bit over here okay you are phenomenal and i learned things from you that i didn't even know were things like example the culture of beatboxing i didn't even think to to talk about that but one of the things that i never thought about that you mentioned once upon a time when we were in inversion together was i feel like you mentioned this at least was that you have your own mic for performances 
specifically since since you're a vocal percussionist. But unfortunately, you know, COVID, so we never actually had the chance to perform yeah. on stage together. But am, am I remembering that correctly, that you have your own mic for performances? I do. Because like I mentioned, the I kind of started beatboxing with this idea that I was just going to be like a, a super hardcore competitor in it. Mm-hmm. And so at one point, I brought the same microphone that the World Beatbox Championships <laughs> used because I was just such a nerd for it. And what kind of mic? is that oh goodness that was a bbd if i'm remembering the the specific model correctly and what that did is um it added extra padding into the mic because the the thing with beatboxing is that it expels a lot of air correct and so with this microphone it has like added wind breaks into it essentially to help us stop getting that kind of like popping breath sound and so that you can just hear the percussive attacks that's really cool So would you say it's important for vocal percussionists to have their own mic? I think it's most important to be like familiar with a microphone, to like have one that, you you know, you know how it fits in your hand, you know what you're doing with it. There are things to do with like hand position and like using your hand while you're performing that kind of get dicey if, you know, you're just using whatever is available. It's not like the most important thing. Lots of people just use the S... It it is helpful. Lots of people just use the SM55s that are pretty standard on most stages that totally works too it's part of your tool set and it's good to know your tool set okay very cool if we have any listeners who are looking for an appropriate mic to use for beatboxing you mentioned the extra padding on your mic what other important things or attributes are there for people to look for in a mic that's beneficial for beatboxing specifically probably the most important thing is that you have a directional mic that's if you're performing on stage at the very least you can get away with with mics that pick up more if you know you're going to be in a studio setting that's probably the main one just so that like it's like mics point a direction basically like they have patterns of how sound is picked up by them and so like you just get like a like a simple cardioid and that's gonna work for you basically okay you mentioned you can have a mic that's i mean imagine more like an area mic if you're in a studio setting do you change how you beatbox whether you're in a studio versus on stage and what kind of adjustments would you make it so this has to do with what is known as mic technique and mm-hmm. mic technique is holding the microphone in, a, in such a way to maximize your performance. When you're on a stage, you can cup a mic that you're holding so that you get more response from the low end of the sounds that you're making. And that's like the big one. And you can like change how you cup to change the EQ response of how the mic is picking you up. Now, if you're in a studio, what they'll do is they'll give you like an, an absurdly expensive microphone. And that <laughs> microphone is going to pick up anything you can do anyway. Uh-huh. Very cool. Okay. So, I mean, you got to make some adjustments on stage, it sounds like, as opposed to in the studio. Yeah. It's like an important thing. Cause like I said, I, I came up studying beatbox battles. And so like, I've watched so many and like one thing that you can tell is you can tell if somebody like hasn't been on stage a lot because they'll mm-hmm. hold the mic like wrong. And what uh, it'll do is it'll make their sound sound really weak. I can't tell you how much it peeves me when I see people holding microphones incorrectly. And I am not familiar with the appropriate way to hold a microphone if you are doing beatboxing or vocal percussion, but as a singer, it really hurts my soul to watch someone hold the mic parallel to their body because they're singing just over it. And they're directional mics, so (laughs) they're not quite picking them up the way, the best that they could. And so mic technique, I think, is so important, whether it's singing in acapella or 
as you've mentioned, vocal percussion. Right. Because like, you know, you'll, you'll see like vocalists and then they'll do like the pull back when they're like belting because they don't want to like destroy oh, yeah. everything uh-huh. with their voice. Yeah, I actually, yeah. And I've it's like kind of like a bad too. idea. Oh, Sorry, you were saying, you sing say that so again. strong, Alicia. Oh, I do. I do. So oh, like, I, I, on inversion, yeah. I, I, I had to pull the mic back multiple times when I was soloing because I was like, eh, I'm coming <laughs> off real hot on the speakers. And I actually... I mean, I, I don't know if you recall, but 4th of July, you were actually, when we had our, one of our performances over the summer, you were in the audience and we were so, so grateful that you came. I remember Elisa, who joined us for a couple numbers on stage, she came up to me and said, you need to pull your mic away. Your husband said, we can only hear you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I can do that. So it's not all on the sound technicians. Like you as performers can do what you need to do to make their jobs a little easier. And I, I think that's important to work with the people who are mixing your sound so that you're getting the best, you're making your best efforts, but it's also helping them in turn. Yeah. Yeah. Just okay. like always, always be, always be oh. nice to your engineers, especially yeah, if you beatbox it, because holy moly. They can make your life crap. So you want to, oh, I'm sure. I, I've never actually mixed beatboxing, but I do not doubt that. Okay. Before we take our first commercial break, I did some research and I have to admit, Kenneth, I did this quote unquote research when I knew you were auditioning for Inversion and you said that you could do vocal percussion. So I looked up Kenneth Coble on Google and I found out that you entered. So you've, you've talked about competitions a little bit and how that was your initial motivation to start vocal percussion. But I did some research and you entered the competition for the American Beatbox Championship several years ago. I so did. It was a fun I, Yeah, I'm curious. What was that experience like for you? And what kind of preparation went into that? Oh, man, that was nerve wracking is what that was. <laughs> uh, and so that was the down south beatbox battle. So for that year and the American championships, what they did is they did a series of regional beatbox battles that would have flowed into a bracket that would have occurred okay. at New York at the American beatbox champs. And so wow. I went down. So like I flew from Utah to Georgia to catch the very <laughs> last one to attempt to make it on the national stage. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so and it was that, just like 72 hours of me just like, the, uh, it, it went all right. I got uh, <laughs> top 16, if I'm not mistaken, which okay, is a little okay. shy of the national stage. But like, uh-huh. I, like I got to I got to beatbox a couple of rounds. Very cool. If you didn't make it farther, then I don't even believe that people can beatbox that. Well, I'm sure in the world of beatboxing, they do and they or they can and they do. Yeah, it's beatboxers all the way down. Just like, oh, goodness. Some of the things these guys pull off. But I love it. Like, I, love I don't it. know. So, just like whenever oh. I'm listening to like a really good beatboxer, I'm always trying to like analyze what they're doing and how they're doing it. Because it's like it's okay. really the how is the important part. Because like, like I said before, you have to min max what the body is capable of and you have to mm-hmm. like take advantage of like how a specific focus name works or like when you're breathing and exhaling and what you can get out doing that kind of like with the inward drag and it's just like mm-hmm. all of these little optimizations that like when put together allow you to make something people go oh I didn't I don't know how people do that <laughs> <laughs> I love it so what I'm hearing is 
vocal percussion and beatboxing, it is a science. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. There have been multiple beatboxers that have been like in labs as scientists like x-ray their throat or whatever, use some oh, sort of sonogram amazing. to see like how they're vibrating everything. I'm going to have to look that up. And to our listeners, you should also look that up because it's time for our first commercial break. But don't go anywhere. Be sure to join us after our first commercial break right here on Tacapella. Every week for an hour, we turn over the airwaves to the craziest people around, our listeners. Fortunately, they also have the best taste. Hear it all each week on the Requests and Dedications Hour. You pick tunes in the app or on the website, and we play them every Thursday at 9 p.m. East, 6 p.m. West, and again Sunday at 2 p.m. East, 11 a.m. West. Around the world, catch it Saturdays at noon London time, 8 p.m. Tokyo time. We'll be playing the tunes you pick and having a great time doing it. And welcome back to Tacapella. That's right. We are here with my friend Kenneth Coble, and we've been talking about some crazy things that I just didn't even know existed in the world of beatboxing and vocal percussion. And I am curious, Kenneth, you mentioned that you studied composition. And if I remember correctly, you've done some composition for video games. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I have a couple titles that are that are out now that I composed for. The, oh. one, one of them even was from a successful Kickstarter. And so that was that was pretty Oh, neat. nice. That is really cool. So can you tell me how, if at all, your experience in acapella and beatboxing has helped you with music composition or how music composition has influenced your experiences in acapella and beatboxing in any way? Okay. So beatboxing techniques highly influence the way I see other musics, Mm -hmm. not in like, not in totality, but it definitely gives me like an idea and a tool that I don't think everybody has. Basically beatboxing, one of the core principles of it are like auditory illusions, making people hear stuff that isn't really there. And that's a thing that you can use in any musical discipline, like whenever you want. If you think about like the most simple beatbox beats, that are like a kick and a hat, mm-hmm. hat and a snare, you'll end up hearing the snares on like every beat, you know? You'll end oh. up hearing on every beat, but they're not played on every beat because you have the kick and the snare. Oh, so it's okay, like, okay. But okay, like you okay. still hear that ta-ta-ta-ta every yeah. time. And that's kind of like the most bass floor example of it. But like that idea can be applied to so many different things. I'm fascinated and I wish I could like see your brain in action when you're analyzing a piece of music and the beats that go into that. So quick side note, I lied to you. I have one more question for you. So, okay, Kenneth, we have a surprise for our listeners today, but before we get to that, you once told me that you believe everyone can beatbox. Is, I do believe that. Why, why? Why do you feel like that's the case? I believe that that is the case because beatboxing is based off the language that you already use. It's based off of the phonemes and mouth shapes that you encounter during your daily life. You just need to be shown how to use them. So I, I said we have a surprise for our guests. So for those of you who have been avid listeners, you probably know that I do not beatbox. I call myself a lady bass, but my attempts at bass on vocal percussion are rather sad and deflated. So Kenneth is going to take some time now in this segment to teach me 
how to beatbox. And I actually, Kenneth, you can't see this, but I bought a little pop filter. So it's oh, like yes. right here. I'm gonna, and our, our guests, sorry, you can't see me, but I'm gonna turn my camera back on here for a second. You can see my little pop filter that I bought to guard my poor mic from my mouth. So how would you teach me or anybody how to start out with beatboxing? You've probably seen the the boots and cats yep. routine, right? I sure have. That alludes to the core idea of the basic sounds. And so like when you start out teaching beatbox, you start out teaching three ground level sounds, which is your kick drum, your hi-hat, and your kick. And those are three different consonant sounds. And once you understand them, it's the key to like, this is what this is made out of. This is what beatboxing okay. is made out of. I can do a lot with this. So let's start with the... What did you call the first one? That is the bass drum or the kick. Let's start with the kick. So, I mean, when I've tried to do it before, it's been very airy. It's not like crisp. It sounds kind of like there's not much behind it. Right. Do you know that a kick drum is a buh sound? Yes, like boots and yes. cats. Right, that's where it comes from. Okay. And so it sounds like you've kind of gotten step one done, okay. which is you need to take the vocalization out of it. You know, instead of saying buh, you, you quiet that uh sound until you get buh, 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 Okay, buh, 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 How's that? Yeah. See, I can, I, can hear, I can hear the transient. Yeah, yeah. That's like the key feeling that you need. The next thing is that what you want to do is you want to build a pressure behind that. Because like you said, right now, it's kind of airy. And so uh -huh. what, I, what I want you to do is I want you to think about that shape that your mouth makes to make that buh sound. But I need you to close your mouth and just build a pressure, you know, like you're breathing to your mouth, but you're not letting it go. Okay. And then once you do that, I need, I need you to release it so that you get the, the louder buh. Okay. So. See? That's already a little bassier. Is it? Okay, okay. Okay. All right, all right, all right. So that's the first part. Yeah, yeah that is the kick. The next part is the hi-hat. And this is where we're going to start to see a little bit of a theme here because the hi-hat is a tuh sound, you know? That's the oots of the boots and cats. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> oots. And so, yeah, it's a similar idea. This is the T sound. And so you can say ta 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 and remove that vocalization from it. That Very one I good. feel like I can do. Okay, okay. Yeah. So we yeah. got. So now we got the we got the kick and the hi hat. Can you give me an example? I'm gonna take a step back for a second. Can you do like a simple beat where you're just using the kick? Uh, sure. That like a four on the floor. Okay. So now can you do one with just the just the hi hat? Just the hi hat. Yeah, just the hi hat. Okay, now can you do them together? And, and help me understand your thought process. What goes through your mind as you're like figuring out how to connect these different sounds? So their connection is the, the kick drum tells you, the kick drum gives you like the beat of the beat. It okay. tells you what one, two, three, and four is, or it alludes to what those things are. Okay. The hi-hat tells you what the division of the beat is, what the underlying subdivisions are. So like your and are. counts. Right, right. It, te okay. it tells you about the end. So that's a very good way to okay. play. And so that's why on like a very simple four on the floor beat, you could have something like. Where that, where that kick is clearly the one, two, three, four. Okay, and okay. then the hi-hats are the subdivisions over it. Okay, okay. All right. So we've got the kick. We've got the hi-hat. And I'm, I can't even, 
remember what the last one is called, but it's the k. Yeah, it's the it's the k. Uh, also known as a k snare. This okay, has a snare. lot That's of right. different. Va- yes, this has a lot of different variations. We will try this with the outward k snare. Okay, and then we'll okay. see if we can do an inwards one too. Okay. So for the kick, you had to say ba, remove the vocalization, built up pressure. For the hi hat, you had to say ta, remove the vo- vocalization, and built up pressure to get the. T. For the snare, you need to say ka, right? But this is actually kind of a special ka. When we're making a K snare, instead of having the air go kind of like straight down the tongue, it's better if you can get it out the sides. And so to do that, that that was very good, actually. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That was, I did it. it, If I were to describe this, it would kind of be like planting the back of your tongue on the top of your mouth and then letting built up air escape through the sides. And that gets you the cuss sound. Okay. I'm I'm trying to do the tongue on the top of my uh, mouth and I'm like, that feels so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Like say ka real quick. Just like say ka. Can you feel the ka part of your tongue? Can you feel where it touches touches the the top of your mouth? It does touch the back of my throat or the back of my mouth. Ka, ka. Yeah, yeah, it's right there. I've never even and thought so about And so there that. are some cases... Oh, goodness. These are like the <laughs> kinesthetics of like learning how to do music. But yeah, uh-huh. I've, I've had conversations like this with teachers before. But so like there are K sounds that you just build up pressure on that K syllable and you just release the air right down your tongue. But for like the loudest K sounds, you plant that part of your song, your tongue, and you just plant it of your top of your mouth. Like you plant mm-hmm. it where you say K and then you allow air to escape from the sides. Like the sides of yeah, like the so like you're you're forming you're forming a seal with your with your tongue, and you allow air to escape from the from the sides of that tongue seal instead of straight down okay. the middle like you would with a ta. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes that makes more sense. So with the ta, it's like coming down your down your tongue basically, and yeah. the ka, we don't want to do that. So we want it right. to come down like the like like out the corners of your mouth basically. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay. That's a that's that's a that's a good demonstration of the concept. Okay, okay. Yeah, and so... I'm trying, I'm trying, but there's, like, no, like, strength behind it, I feel like. So, to solve that, what you want to do is similar to the what I was describing with the bass drum, mm-hmm. is that you can plant that syllable, you can plant that K on the top of your mouth, and you can build up pressure. It's like you're, like you're pushing air with your diaphragm and you're not letting it go until you decide it gets to go. Uh, that came out like audibly. <laughs> oh, this is this is a fun, awkward, uncomfortable experience for me. But hey, I I am all about taking risks and letting people laugh at me if they so choose. <laughs> the, I think you're doing great. Thank you. I'll pay you later. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, so can you give me just a simple beat, just with the snare sound where it's the outward K? Okay. And was that... I cheated. Some of those were inward case. I was like, that wasn't all outward. <laughs> no, okay. it wasn't. Sorry. Okay. So, no, it's okay. Help me understand why the inward K and how to do it. All right. So the inward K, it's that concept of building a pressure, but instead of pushing out, you're breathing in, right? Kind of like you're sucking. Hmm. Like literally. 
Yes, yes. You're trying to suck an air, but you're trying to suck an air through the syllable of that K, through through the sides of your tongue, like you're trying to do with the outward K. And okay. kind of similar to those people that can make like the super loud clicks and the super loud pops by doing internal breaths that like work. that. <laughs> Sorry, I tried to do something and it came out really weird. That's okay. There's a lot of experimentation with this art form. So you were talking about like building up the pressure, but instead of like releasing it, you're sucking in basically through, you said through, right, right. It, through the syllable or like the shape of that inward or the shape of that K sound. Right, right, right. Okay. So like we described, it's trying to make that sucking, not letting anything in, and then quickly quickly allowing a a large amount of air in. Thinking of like when you watch movies and somebody is unconscious and they're like trying to like give them CPR and then all of a sudden they breathe. Is that that analogy just crazy? Okay. Okay. So that's, that is it's like sort of relatable. Yeah. So like your vocal tract is like a water hose. This is this okay. is another thing one of my teachers has told me where like when you're breathing, the water is just shooting out. But like you take a water hose and you put a bend in it and nothing comes out, right? And pressure oh, is yeah, building. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And then when you <laughs> yeah. release it, um, it shoots out. Right, right. Okay, this okay, is the, okay. This is, the, that is, this is giving idea. me this is giving me some good Im- imagery here to to think about. So, inward K, I'm going to like basically suck in through that shape. So, Yes. How was that? Was that was that okay? Yeah, I, I liked it. I liked <laughs> it. <laughs> Thank you. You're too kind. So I was I was gonna say, give me an example of a beat with just the inward K, but I feel like that would be it would be like you're breathing in and not never breathing out, and we don't want right. to hurt and anybody this is what, today. Well, I mean, I that's a really important thing that you've just pointed out there is that. If you just have outward sounds, if you just have an outward kick drum and an Mm -hmm. outward hi-hat, then you're going to run out of breath, right? If you just Mm -hmm. have an inward K sound, then like you're eventually, you're not going to be able to inhale anymore. But if you Mm -hmm. use them together, you get to beatbox forever. Okay, I'm going to try that. And I can do that all night. That's kind of Boots and Cats, right? Yeah, and then, okay. yeah, it, it, it is the Boots and Cats beat, but now we're, like, now we understand, like, the fundamentals behind it, and that it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be Boots and Cats. It can be right. Tuh. Was that kind of it? Yeah, yeah, that, that was it. Yeah, that was correct. I feel like that's still Boots and Cats. The fine-tuning of it is that you can get your hi-hat sound very sharp and short, and that'll kind of give oh, it more definition, because then okay. the sound lives in its own world. Okay. Can you teach me something that's a little bit more... Not as simplified as Boots and Cats. Like maybe like a like a simplified hip hop beat. I don't know. Because beats for so, different genres of music are very different. That is true. So kind of like a very, a straightforward evolution of the Boots and Cats is to mm-hmm. start start accenting some of the off beats with the kick. And, that, and that's, and this is probably something you've heard before where it goes. Okay. Where okay. instead of placing... The kick on one and three, you now have some offbeats where it can live. Okay, so was it but so yes, like that? Yes, just like that. I feel very much. I feel very empowered now that I can lay down a very simple but sort of okay beat. Yeah, no, that that's perfect. That's like if you ever like if you're ever just like walking around in your life and someone needs to beatbox battle someone else or, or someone needs to rap <laughs> battle someone else, you now have the tools to lay down the beat okay, that they rap okay. battle Okay. Okay. What would you say are the next steps to take to like improve that skill? Like for me as a very menial beginner. So 
one of the things with beatboxing is just sound production in and of mm-hmm. itself. There's a lot to be said about technical facility, which is like, oh, how many different sounds can you make and how quickly can you put them together? <laughs> but like the fundamental skill behind everything is getting a solid sound for each of the core sounds. Okay, and so something okay. that I used to do when I was learning when I was just walking around is instead of doing like a specific beat is I would just do kick drums. I would just be... Oh. And you just like, you just set yourself a metronome and you'd be like, I can make this sound this fast. And then you kick it up. Uh Uh-huh. Kick it up more. Okay. And you you do that and you do that. You can't. Because it's like two things is you want to train your body to be able to make these vocal shapes very quickly and efficiently Mm -hmm. so that you get the sharp attacks. Like you want your body to be able to go to that exact buh shape in your mouth and Mm -hmm. then be able to get away from it so that you have the exhale of the kick. So you have that quick sharp. You want to be able to build up pressure. Okay. So getting to the sound is just as important as getting like away from it. Yes. Because no, no, that's that's an excellent way of putting it because almost... Like I said, you want to build up pressure, right? This is this was a mm-hmm. core theme we looped, right? And the lesson that that points to is that kind of every beatbox sound has like a runway that you need to hit for it mm-hmm. to be able to get the sharpest possible sound of it. And the best beatboxers can go through that runway like almost instantaneously. Like they oh can do gosh. it very quickly to get Amazing. the most powerful sound uh, at the quickest point. Amazing. I love it. Well, thank you, Kenneth. I feel like we have had our own little... I mean, for all of our listeners, you've had a little masterclass in beatboxing, so you're welcome. No, I'm kidding. Um, But thank you. Thank you so much. Like, I have learned so much this episode. It is unfortunately time for our second and final commercial break. But don't go anywhere, listeners, because we will be right back for our final segment on Tacapella. Justin Glodish works at the intersection of acapella and education. And where those two worlds meet is a combination of learning and engagement that can hook students into a lifelong love of the arts. Hear Justin talk with some great guests from both worlds every week on the Aka Education podcast, played here Wednesdays at 9 p.m. East, 6 p.m. West, and Sundays at 10 p.m. East, 7 p.m. West. Asian Pacific listeners can hear it Thursday at 5 p.m. Tokyo time, and Europeans can catch it Saturdays at 3 p.m. London time. Thanks for sticking with us. We are back on our final segment of the evening on Tacapella with my friend Kenneth Coble, and it is time for rapid fire questions. So, Kenneth, are you ready? There will be 10 questions. The I am prepared. Perfect. So question number one, what are you currently binge watching? And if you're not currently binge watching anything, what is the last thing you binge watched? Oh man, I just went through uh, Inside Job on Netflix in like two days. It is uh, it is very charming for, is uh, for one of the... No. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a series. Like, I've seen the movie Inside Job, but... No, I think it was called Inside Man with Clive Owen and it was phenomenal, but I'm going to have to check that out. I love binge watching things. Question number two. What's your favorite non-music related activity? Oh man, I love playing uh, competitive video games. Like, I wonder if you see a theme here, first competing in beatboxing and then in video games. (laughs) You love competition. I am down to try and win. I think healthy competition is a beautiful thing. And sometimes unhealthy competition is a little fun too. When you live to tell the tale and laugh at yourself later. Because, I mean, sometimes these are in video games. Question number three, who is the best superhero? 
the best superhero. Dang. I feel like it used to be that Flash didn't get a lot of love, but I feel like in recent years, people have started to be, started to come around to understand that he's like almost a full-blown reality warper. You just, uh-huh. you can do anything if you're fast enough. Oh, totally. Totally. So he's the best in your book? <laughs> the, uh, yeah. All right. All right. Question number four. What is your hidden talent? Oh man, I can't say beatboxing. <laughs> no, you cannot. And you can't say saxophone either because we've already mentioned it tonight. Oh no. Although I did, I did find you on YouTube playing the saxophone and wow. When you said you started playing when you were like in kindergarten and it shows like very, very <laughs> good. Thank you. You're welcome. So I hope this isn't too derivative for you, but uh, I can actually circular breathe. And so like, if you give me an instrument, I can hold a note on it, like a wind instrument. I can hold a note on it indefinitely. Shut up. Yeah. Seriously? Hit you with the Kenny G. Yeah. My mom and like a poor <laughs> life decision bought me a Vuvuzela when I was in high school. What is that? And I, I don't even know just, what that is. It's a, a celebratory instrument used at uh, like... At soccer games in Africa. Like, imagine, like, a clapper, but instead of, like, a clapper, you're just blown into a horn for no reason. <laughs> and so, like, whole crowds will have these things, and it'll just be like, Burr! and so I did that for, like, a week until I could just hold the note forever. Oh, my gosh. And you learned how to circular breathe. Yeah. I'm glad that my mom did not choose to end me at that point. <laughs> Way to go, mama. That is amazing. I learned something new today. All right. Question number five is one that we ask on every single episode. So if you have listened before, you may know what's coming. Cats or dogs? So my (laughs) gut instinct is dogs. But like, I appreciate, I appreciate cats for the self-sufficiency. Oh, they're so, so self-sufficient. I love, I love that babies. I'm like, I don't need to give you a bath. You bathe yourself. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. They they don't need us. They just tolerate us. They do. They do. I I watched a really funny stand-up comedian who talked about why cats are better than dogs. And he said, I don't need a best friend. I just need an apathetic roommate who sometimes (laughs) wants to hang out. It was amazing. So accurate too. All right. Because it's November, I would be remiss if I don't ask this. What's the first food item you go for at Thanksgiving dinner? Oh man. I'm definitely a big fan of some stuffing, especially since it's, that's, that's a very Thanksgiving specific meal too. Like you don't get that other times of the year. Totally. All right. What is the best kind of music to beatbox to? Oh man. You can beatbox (laughs) to anything. Don't give me that. Okay. But which one's your favorite? Which one is your favorite kind of music to beatbox? Oh man. My favorite. I do like putting down some beats on like a, on like a good like EDM drop seeing what I can add add to it that's well, good you can, you can do throat bass correct I can do throat okay, bass okay I'm gonna need you to do it real quick because I have never heard you do this <laughs> shut up <laughs> humoring me that was amazing okay this Man, next, that... next question's a weird one if you had to change your name what would you change it to oh goodness yeah, i really like my name though <laughs> i would probably i would probably just be like okay i guess i'm going by my middle name now and, and just be like elijah okay, there you go there you have it okay 
Number nine is music related. Where would you want to perform? And I'm talking bucket list. Oh, dang. Like goals. This is going to tie into the theme. I would want to perform in the final round of the World Beatbox Champs. And this is, where does this take place? In New York? The, no, that's the American Beatbox Championship. The World Beatbox Championship happens. Oh, goodness. It's one, it's in one of the Nordic countries. Oh, that's so cool. Well, if if you make it, if you make it there and, and I anticipate you will someday, let me know. I want to go with, cause that would just be a wild thing to experience. The, I'm, I'm relying on you now. You're going to be my entourage. Deal. I will be your groupie. Woo! (laughs) Anyway, I, I think that's. Really, really cool. All right, question number 10 is always a weird one, okay? And it's usually a would you rather. Now, I've been on a I've been on a kick with potty humor, but we're taking a break from that today. Would you rather have a baby vomit on you or you vomit on a baby? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, like, I really dislike gross things, but I feel like I dislike awkward social situations even more. <laughs> And so, like, I think I think I'll have to take one for the team and get vomited on by a baby. Okay. Like, they don't know to, any better. To be clear, I have been there. I have been vomited on by many a baby. So it is not fun, but it's also not as bad as you would think. I've also been yeah. vomited on by my cat. Baby vomit is better. <laughs> anyway, that was our round of rapid fire. So thank you, Kenneth, for that. And that, I mean... Oh my gosh, that throat bass. That was so, so cool. We like to wrap up our show by giving our listeners something, I mean, other than the great conversation we had, that they can take away and remember. So if you could offer some advice to our listeners about anything that's been on your mind, what would it be? I think that if you're going to do something, that it's important to just put a little bit of time into it every day. Like you mentioned me, you know, being competent at beatboxing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that only happens when you put daily effort in. It doesn't have to be a lot of effort, but it's the daily part that's the most important thing. Consistency. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you again so, so, so much for coming on the show. You are wonderful. Thank you for engaging. <laughs> You're very in such welcome. A, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm so glad you were willing to come on the show and engage in such fun conversation with me and, and being a great sport while I embarrass myself a little bit. <laughs> um, if our listeners want to learn more about you or any other projects you are working on, where can they go? Once in a while, I'll post on Instagram at sayacobble. Uh, S-A-Y-C-O-B-B-L-E. And that's the main location for me, unless you dig up my YouTube channel. Please don't. <laughs> Which I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're also on SoundCloud, aren't you? Oh, goodness, I yeah. am on yeah, SoundCloud. Plug plug. If you want to hear some like video game scores, you can find me at uh, Kenneth Colville on SoundCloud. Awesome. Thank you. Be sure to check him out. And you can always find me on Instagram at e.squared1989 or on Twitter at Alicia Edwards 19. Be sure to check out Tacapella on Twitter as well. And that's Tacapella, two P's and two L's. You can also go to our website, tacapella.org, to listen to previous episodes. We want to thank Acaville Radio for giving us this incredible platform to talk about the world that is acapella and meet with artists like Kenneth who are making a difference in the activity that we so so love so much. That is a wrap on tonight's episode. For everything else, stay tuned.